Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jacob Beer Show today. Today, I'm joined by Madeline Westerhout, who was the director of Oval Office Operations under President Donald J. Trump, also known as the Gatekeeper. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jacob. Thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege. Are you ready to get into the questions? I am more than ready. My first question is, how do you get started in politics? From a very young age, of course. That's a great question. Um, after the summer of my sophomore year of college, um, I changed my major from psychology to political science after I read President, 43, or President George W. Bush 43's uh, biography, Decision Points. I loved his book and just kind of fell in love with his character and the man and was really interested in American politics. So went back to school, changed my major, um, and then kind of got involved in some local campaigns in Charleston, South Carolina, where I went to school and then moved up to DC after graduation. And I had an internship on Capitol Hill for a couple of weeks while I was looking for a full-time job. Um, and I was super lucky because I got a job at the Republican National Committee about five or six weeks after moving to DC. And I worked for the finance director at the RNC, and then she became the chief of staff at the RNC. Um, so that was kind of my, my jump start into politics. Awesome. And how did you get involved with the Trump campaign? Of course, you're so, known as the greeter girl, if I recall, after he won, you have escorted people up the elevator. How did you get involved with this campaign? So the Republican National Committee, very similar to the Democratic National Committee, um, you know, their job is to elect Republican or on the other side, Democratic presidents. And so once Donald Trump became the Republican Party's nominee for president, the Trump campaign and the RNC really joined forces and put all of their money, all of their infrastructure, all of their coordination together in order for, you know, Donald Trump to win the presidency. And so because I was working at the RNC, I was able to work very closely with a lot of senior members of the Trump campaign. And then after Donald Trump won the election in November, I went up to New York and spent uh, between November and January. So between the election and the inauguration, which is known as the transition period, I spent that time in New York City, mostly in Trump Tower, where I helped schedule and execute all of President-elect Trump's cabinet interviews, you know, senior staff interviews, advisor positions, and I was walking everyone through the lobby of Trump Tower. And as we all know, um, Donald Trump is very into showmanship and, and making sure everyone is taken care of. And so there was a big, big um, pool of press, a big press pool in the lobby of Trump Tower. And they quickly caught on to the fact that every time I was walking through the lobby, I was going to be bringing in someone like Mike Pompeo, like Rudy Giuliani, like uh, General Kelly or General Mattis in through the lobby up to the 65th floor to meet with the president-elect. And so I kind of caught the eye of some journalists and I also caught the eye of the president-elect. And he had a longtime assistant that had been with him at the Trump organization for I think 20 or something years. And she is absolutely fantastic but she didn't wanna move down to DC. And so Reince Priebus, Jared Kushner and Steve Bannon came to me and said, you know, would you have any interest in sitting outside of the Oval Office? And of course I said, yes. 
you know, um, I didn't really know what that exactly meant, but sitting outside of the Oval Office sounded pretty amazing. And so I jumped at that opportunity and that is how I became President Trump's executive assistant um, for the first year and a half of the administration. Awesome. And what is it like inside the White House on a day-to-day -day thing? Of course, I know from talking to other former White House staffers, close friends of mine, and VP staffers is, it's not like a nine to five job. Five o'clock PM is really like 2 PM and you're there till 11 at night. You even sleep in your offices sometime. What is it like? Well, first I would say that working in any capacity, working in the White House in any capacity for any administration is an honor and a privilege. And it was absolutely the honor of my lifetime. Um, it is, every single day is a once in a lifetime experience. And so, and every, yeah, and every, you're right, every day is different. There is no such thing as a nine to five. Um, I was very lucky because I think as we have come to know, President Trump likes to start his days a little bit later. <laughs> um, you know, he spent a lot of time in the early mornings up in the residence, but he didn't come down into the Oval Office until maybe 11, 11.30. So while many of my colleagues came into the White House at you know, 6, 7 a.m. I was very lucky to, to roll in a little bit later than that. Um, but once President Trump was in the Oval Office, you know, my day was fast and furious. Um, and that day lasted sometimes, you know, it, sometimes it ended early around six and sometimes I was there until nine or 10 at night. Um, and it was just absolutely fascinating to be right there, right outside of the Oval Office um just participating in history you know every day was was special and different and president trump um was i think acutely aware of the fact that he had a limited amount of time to work very very hard on behalf of the american people and so contrary to what has been reported he was an incredibly hard worker and he never stopped uh, even when he was watching the news, he was learning and listening and taking notes and making calls. And so just being a part of that, being a part of his day, being able to interact with the president, the cabinet, you know, senior staff, members of the president's family was uh, extraordinary. Yes. And of course, you were there while there was a transition of power from the Obama administration to Trump administration. Um, of course, the media says that everyone gets along, which is true. Um, the media, of course, tends to be the worst. <laughs> what is it like during a transition period? That was something that was really interesting to me. You know, I walked into my office, I think, at 3 p.m. on inauguration day. And three hours earlier, it was a functioning office for the Obama administration. You know, at noon, 12.01 on inauguration day, it becomes Donald Trump's office. And there is, there is no rule book, there's no playbook, there's no one to walk you through and give you a tour of the West Wing or tell you how to work the phones. Um, it's kind of every man for himself. Um, you know, I obviously can't speak to the transition of power between two of the same party administrations, but it was it was interesting because Obama's staff were gone and they were nowhere to be found 
obviously, I think that was the same exact thing that happened um, on January 20th of this year. Trump's staff cleared out and the new administration comes in. And I remember that first day, just thinking about the fact that just hours earlier, a different family lived in that house. So not only you know did a family move out of their home, did you kind of have to redecorate very, very quickly, but an entire office, an entire corporation moved out of their office. And then a, a new, new staff came in. And those first couple hours while the president, well, President Trump was still at the inauguration festivities at the parade, I was sitting at my desk kind of going through the drawers. And I remember opening one of the top drawers and there being tons and tons of a certain kind of pen, a uh, writing pen. And I remember thinking, oh, that must have been the kind of pen that Obama liked to write with um, and cleared those out because those were not the type of pens that my boss, President Trump, likes to write with. And so I'm sure that the, the Biden staffers that came in to the Trump White House found a lot of the same kind of thing, those lots of drawers and drawers of, of pens or, um, you know, just, just different things that, all right, it's, it's done and we're on to get our agenda started. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I never actually spoke to my predecessor, um, President Obama's assistant. I never interacted with her or had any kind of transitional meeting. Um, it was just, like I said, every man for himself, every woman for herself. Um, but, but there definitely was a sense of that peaceful transition. You know, there was, I've heard a lot of crazy stories about former administrations you know, doing things to, to mess up the computers or the phones or playing pranks. And I didn't experience any of that. So there was no animosity. Um, everything was left clean and, and just ready for the next administration to, to get started. Awesome. And before we get into our next question, of course, while we're on this topic, sort of, um, you, of course, being by the president's side, got to meet with many world leaders. What were some of those experiences like and who were some of them? I remember, I think I saw on Instagram or on Twitter, it was a post of you and you got to speak to Emmanuel or President Emmanuel Macron. What was that experience like? I did. Um, that, was a, that was a lot of fun for me because I got to introduce myself to him in French. Um, my first name, Madeline, is spelled the French way. And so I don't speak any French except Je m'appelle Madeleine. So I introduced myself to President Macron in French, and then he asked me in French if I spoke French, and that's about where our conversation ended. <laughs> um, but President Trump, I would say, was incredibly gracious. Um, in every time he had a foreign leader in the White House, they would meet one-on-one -on -one in the Oval Office and then go to uh, an expanded bilateral meeting with the cabinet and, and you know, um, secretaries on both sides in the cabinet room. And the Oval Office and the cabinet room were right outside of, of my office. So the president and the foreign leader that he was meeting with would leave the Oval Office, walk through, walk past my desk into the cabinet room. And the president would always stop and introduce a foreign leader to me, which sounds so crazy um but he was that was kind of his personality you know he wanted everyone to feel important and special and so he would walk by me and say you know president macron this is madeline or prime minister trudeau this is madeline and so 
that was very, very special to kind of just have that quick second of, of opportunity to meet with the foreign leader of another country. And who were some of the foreign leaders that you got to meet with? Uh, so Macron, Trudeau, um, President or Prime Minister Abe, uh, Prime Minister uh, Theresa May, uh, Chancellor Merkel. Um, Ex, uh, President Xi? Uh, President Xi never came to the White House. So they met um, at Mar-a-Lago. They met at Mar-a-Lago and I was not there for that, uh, but I did, I did not get to meet President Xi. <laughs> Um, now you've also flown on Air Force One a few times. I have. What were those experiences like? Air Force One and Marine One, the helicopter, are just about the coolest thing you can imagine. Um, the first time I flew on Air Force One, I had, again, there's no, there's no one to explain to you, you know, what you're about to walk into. And so I thought I was just boarding, you know, an American Airlines flight, you know, there were going to be two rows of three seats and that was that and it was so different than that it was um, really the White House on wheels on on, you know, in the sky and in the in the tip of in the nose of the plane, there's an entire cabin for the president and his family and office there is offices right behind that area and then there's a cabin room past that. There's yes, you know it well, yes. I should mention it's public. So as yes. well as the White House layout, it's all public. Exactly. Um, but, you know, when you're working in the White House, I had never Googled Air Force One or, you know, the layout of Air Force One. Um, but it was very, very special. And when you sit down at your um, assigned seat, there's a little card with the Air Force One logo that says, welcome, Miss Blesterhout. And so there's... Um, you know, they just, they make you feel very special and everything is embroidered with the Air Force One logo, blankets, seatbelts, plates, cups, you know, silverware. Uh, you never forget that you are on Air Force One. And the other thing that I love telling people about Air Force One is that it takes off at a really steep level. So, you know, most planes, you, you feel it taking off, but, but Air Force One, it almost feels like you are going straight up in the sky and there's no um, stewardesses or flight attendants to tell you to sit down and buckle up. So one time I was, the president called me up to the, his cabin as we were taking off and we were walking up the plane to his cabin as we were taking off. And I almost fell back and rolled down the plane. Um, so no one to tell you to sit down and buckle up. Wow. So, so when you take off, there's nobody saying, make sure that your seatbelts are fast. Nope. Like that. It's wow. a free for all. <laughs> Interesting. And what would you say, uh, now did you ever get to fly on Trump's personal plane? I flew on his personal plane, with, I think during the campaign, they called it Trump Force One. Trump Force One, I flew on, Yeah, I flew on that plane twice um, during the transition period. I flew on it uh, the week of the inauguration. So one of the last times that he flew privately on his own plane, I was with him. It's now getting fixed, I believe. Um, oh, is it? I don't know. You know more than me, then. <laughs> take the engines off of it. I should mention, I mean, I'm just a knowledgeable person. I know a few people. So, <laughs> um, you know, but would you, and then what was it like on Marines One? Marine One. Marine One was also very special. I had never been on a helicopter before. 
And so for my first time to be on a helicopter, to be on Marine One was just the coolest thing. And flying on Air Force One is incredibly special, but Marine One, there's such a limited amount of staff that can fly on the helicopter. And so when you were invited to fly on Marine One, it was, it was, yeah, super special. Um, You know, you're one of six staff that get to be with the president on that short helicopter ride, you know, for example, from the South Lawn to Andrews Air Force Base. And the president is very, very funny. He is always looking out the window and remarking on, you know, the press below or the scenery that we're flying over. Um, so yeah, Air Force, or Marine One, sorry, was, was very cool. And how does President Trump differ from other presidents as a boss? And I know a few things about him, of course. I know from his former butler, Tony, that he does not like sloppy dressers. We know that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, he, if, if he can be on time, you can be on time. I know some things like that. Of course, that's any boss, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how would you say it differs compared to other presidents, all the leadership styles that you are used to? Sure. So, you know, obviously I've only worked for President Trump, but... I will say that because President Trump did not come from politics, he, in my experience, was more willing to hear from people that might not have been, um, you know, the, the, the right or the expected person to listen to. For example, when I was started working for him, I was 26 years old and we became very close. And so he trusted me and asked me to do things that I think in any other administration, an executive assistant would never be asked to do, you know, relay messages to a foreign leader or a cabinet secretary, um, help draft letters and tweets and statements. Um, And so President Trump, and again, I'm not saying other presidents weren't like this, but in my experience, President Trump didn't really believe as much in titles and hierarchy and ranks. He believed in people that did good work, people that he trusted um, and that he knew could get the job done. So he didn't really care what your job title was. I remember one time I asked him for a promotion and he said, yeah, sure, fine. You know, he, he didn't really bother to get into the details of what's your new title. And, you know, he just knew that I wanted to continue my career and he wanted to help me do that. And so, again, I think this is contrary to what is said about him, but he was very encouraging to a young woman like myself um, who wanted to grow her career, who wanted to take on more tasks than what she might've been assigned. Awesome. And what were some of your favorite White House memories, um, people that you enjoyed working with in the administration? Who were some of those people and what were some of your favorite memories? Some of my favorite people, again, this just goes back to the kind of the women that President Trump employed. Um, Some of my favorite people that I worked with, Sarah Sanders, Hope Hicks, Ivanka, um, Elaine Chow, Betsy DeVos, uh, Gina Haspel, the CIA director, uh, Kellyanne, you know, Mrs. Trump. Um, The women in the White House really did a good job of mentoring one another and empowering one another. Um, And in terms of favorite memories, of course, I could say flying on Air Force One or riding in the beast, you know, the president's car with him. 
But I think the thing that I will never forget is watching him bring people into the Oval Office for the first time. And he, he never lost sight of the fact that that office was so special. And for him to be able to give that opportunity to someone else, whether that's a member of Congress that had been in office for eight years and had never before been in the White House, or a kid that got their make-a-wish and their make-a-wish was to meet the president, you know, every single person that he brought into the Oval Office, he, he gave them something that they will never forget. And so just to be able to watch that up close um, was, was incredibly special. And I feel so fortunate that, you know, I got to witness him have that awe of the office and share that with others. And um, one other White House question I do have is, what was it like at big state dinners and big, and of course, cabinet meetings, what was it like being able to hear leaders such as Mike Pompeo, and I'm not trying to get into details like what they say, because of course that's all <laughs> private. Um, I know that a lot because I work on a bunch of campaigns, but what was it like to really just be around all of that as a person? I think one of the coolest and most special things about my position at the time that I was there was that I was there at the beginning with everyone else. So like a Mike Pompeo, when I met him, he was a congressman from Kansas. You know, he wasn't the CIA director yet. He wasn't the secretary of state. And so I was, I feel very fortunate to have been able to form relationships with people while we were all experiencing this, um, this growth and this, you know, um, opportunity and kind of watching everything play out. And so, um, and, 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 you know, my office, like I, like we said, was right outside the Oval Office. So every time a cabinet secretary came in to meet with the president, they oftentimes had to wait by my desk for five minutes to 20 minutes. And so we got chatting and we just talked about normal stuff. And so I think what's really important to remember is that politicians are normal, are normal people. They're just like us um, and they are, are serving our country and they are, um, you know, I think that the jobs that they have are incredibly important, but a lot of them are husbands, wives, moms, dads, sons, daughters, you know, they're just like us. And so I feel very thankful to have had that relationship with a lot of these people before they became the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. You know, I got to know him and, Su him and Susan and his son, Nick, very well and, you know, feel very close to them. Um, but with regards to events and state dinners and cabinet meetings, you know, the, the White House puts on events in such a magnificent and special way. And I think, um, you know, President Trump was very lucky to have some incredible people working in the social office, um, his social secretary and Mrs. Trump's office, you know, they paid very, very close attention to detail. And so nothing was, was left off limits and every single detail was taken care of. And, and so every person that came into the White House, whether it be for a routine meeting with the president or a state dinner, you know, felt like they were experiencing something very special. Awesome. 
And I have two last questions. Um, what was it like getting to know Miss Trump? And did you ever get to meet Barron? Um, I have met Barron. Yes, Barron, um, you know, he lived at the White House, but he is school, he's in school. Uh, so he wasn't running around the West Wing most days he was at school. Um, so I didn't get to know him very well. And I think Mrs. Trump, you know, does a very good job of protecting her family. And, and we all know that she is a pretty private person. So I, I did get to know her and interact with her. And she is brilliant. Um, she's very funny. She has a great sense of humor. Um, and languages. Is that true? Sorry? Is it true that she can speak many languages? I think I once heard that. But yes. for media, of course, some would say good stuff, some would say bad stuff, unfortunately. So I, that's yeah. why I'm just asking this question because I think it's important for our um, viewers to know the right thing about people. So that's why I just asked this question. Yeah, she can speak multiple languages. Um, yeah, she's highly intelligent. And again, contrary to to what was reported, I think she did enjoy being the first lady. I think that President, President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump enjoyed serving their country. Um, and, you know, there's so many ridiculous reports out there that she didn't live in the White House. And that's just ridiculous. That's so silly. I saw her every day or I spoke <laughs> to her every day. And um, the other thing that I'll just say is for the women listening, she is as magnificent and beautiful in person as she is on pictures, in pictures and on camera. Awesome. And my final question I'd like to get you is you wrote a book off the record. Most like writing the book. And if you could just give us a few short details about it and where people can buy it. Absolutely. Yeah, I wrote my book off the record, my dream job at the White House, how I lost it and what I learned uh, right after I left the White House. And I was very hesitant uh, to write a book because there are so many books about President Trump and his administration. And the last thing that I wanted to was to be just another person who writes another book. Um, and I got some offers after I left to write a crazy tell all. And, you know, I said to myself, there's not enough money in the world for me to lie about what I experienced. Um, and what I experienced was an incredibly positive an encouraging atmosphere. And I wanted to share with the American people, the man that I got to know, um, the man behind President Donald Trump, uh, the father, the husband, the son, the brother. Um, and I also wrote it for myself because I wanted to write down all of the memories that I had, because I, I know that, you know, those memories, I'll Pope, I will soon forget them. And so I wanted to document kind of everything that I experienced while also sharing with the American people the truth, what I see as the truth um, that was working for President Trump. Uh, and you can buy my book uh, anywhere on Amazon. I also did my own audiobook. So if you like listening to audiobooks, um, I did my own. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me.